Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best to implement and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. So hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. Uh, Today I'm being joined by Dion Killaby. Mate, welcome to the call. Hey Josh, good to be here. Thanks mate. So, Adam, I might hand over to you as as a bit of a an intro on you and your journey today. Like, I'm just curious to to hear a bit about your story. Yeah, sure. Well, my background, I guess, started as a, a civil engineer back in the RTA days, Roads and Traffic Authority, which was government department in New South Wales at the time. Gone through many iterations since then. So, like a lot of young engineers, cutting my teeth in in government and. That was a good proving ground sort of thing. But then after a number of years, decided to hang out my own shingle and develop a, a small project management consultancy called Western Project Services. So Western Project Services now has grown into a team of about 40, 45 people, mostly staff, a few specialist studies that we use on a regular basis, often providing services back to government from sort of where I come from. I guess I know yep. that area pretty well. and local government, state government, federal government, and uh, and private developers as well. So in the civil infrastructure space. So we do a lot of work in mostly roads, mostly in the regions. And yeah, still got the normal infrastructure stuff hanging off that, and a bit of water, a bit of rail, a bit of mining, but largely, if you just think regional roads, that's the large part of the business, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, good, mate. And like mixture of different sort of specialties, mainly civil engineers or, or project managers or? Yeah, so the project managers come out of the fact they're mostly civil engineers and our, the core of our business is that sort of site management, project management, contract management type stuff, whether it's in development phase or delivery phase through to finalisation. We also have like independent verification and some auditors in the road safety space and auditors in the quality assurance type areas as well you find is a really good sort of fit between the the site delivery staff as well as the independent verification audit type teams so we've sort of built a, a bit of a business around that now and uh, yeah it's uh, the i guess in the current market there's an awful lot happening in infrastructure in new south wales and around australia for that matter yeah. uh, so it's been a interesting journey and, and lots of growth in the business and lots of challenges that come with growing pains that come with growing a business yeah uh, but really but really enjoyable at the same time so yeah, good. And 
like client base, like mainly local government, local authorities, that sort of thing, or like what would be the split between that and say private works or private developers? Yeah, we're very client side heavy. I know there's other consultancies like ours that are probably more contractor side heavy. Yep. Uh, for me, the sweet spot is <laughs> there's a certain security and being paid by government. We've always been paid, you know, it's one of those things. It's nice to know the bills will be paid. And um, going back many years when I was a, a real estate buyer's agent, you know, that part of my life for a while there, you never quite knew whether a particular individual would come good and pay you or not. Whereas uh, working for government, provided you've done what they asked for, you've provided the service they asked for, they will pay. Sometimes yep. they might be late, but you will get the money. So there's a certain security there, I guess, in terms of cash flow for the business that we've liked. And what we then try to do is draw people from various backgrounds so that it's not like another arm of government. We want to have people with contractors side experience that know how contractors think to then provide those services back so we can sort of work in better with that. You know? So the, some consultants, some contractor background, some private side, some, some public side, and bringing all that together so we've got a, a merging of skills and a merging of backgrounds and then the cross-pollination then amongst the group is, is better and stronger for it where everyone can yep. sort of bounce ideas and, and put forward different views and sort of go, well, yeah, but, you know, I'll be on the other side of that and this is how they'll receive it. If you go that way, maybe a different way of casing it would be like this. So having yep. that sort of diversity of opinion and experience has certainly made the team stronger and, and more successful, I think. Yeah, I like it. And, like, did that that factor into your decision in terms of, the the avenue to pursue that kind of work in terms of that security of payment and that sort of stuff or just like the work you you, you enjoyed it i i I'd, I'd be kidding everyone to suggest that it was a whole lot of planning and strategy okay. amongst this it was a very organic thing that occurred it wasn't i'd call myself more of an opportunistic business person entrepreneur i really said i didn't set out to do anything in particular it was very much a case of saw an opportunity started doing something saw a bigger opportunity pivoted to a bit of that. So I was more than happy just extricating myself to hang out my own shingle and just be a consultant engineer. I just liked the autonomy of that and calling my own shots, being able to say what I thought. If someone liked it, they'd remember that if they didn't like it, that's cool, no dramas. Yeah. Um, but then after maybe four or five years of that, I could see that it was an opportunity to build, build a small team uh, and provide some services at a, a slightly more expanded level and get some leverage, I guess. And also bring in other experience, like things that I, I mean, I've got my niche that I like, but there's yeah. so many other things that are available that I needed other people with better skills in other ways to do rather than me. So recognizing that, you know, that person's a better surveillance officer and that person's a better resident engineer and that person has, you know, really good pavement skills and geotech skills, whatever it was. So then the team thing became pretty evident pretty quick. That was the way to go. So then, then it became all about, well, how do you build that team? And yeah. what I found actually pretty quickly was I kind of liked the business side probably better than the engineering side. I just <laughs> I think I'd done that for 20 years and sort of went, and it wasn't I didn't like the engineering side, it was just that I needed to change. Yeah. I really liked the challenge that came with the business component of winning work, you know, finding work, having the conversations with clients, having the conversations with staff and subbies and, and trying to sort of herd the cats to a you know an outcome that everyone was happy with and the satisfaction then came with delivering whether it's a piece of infrastructure or, or report or just, you know, helping a client clear the backlog of something, all, all of which were very tangible, very tangible things. And, and I think made for that engineering background made for a good outcome because you're like, you could still see an output for your time. You went, yeah, that's good. That's something's better for it. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, mate, that's awesome. 
I'm cu- I'm curious about like I'm I'm curious to kind of step through the journey like you you mentioned was it sort of 40 or 45 now when you started just yourself and you were yep. doing your own thing for was it yep. four or five years before you yep. hired your first person yeah so just doing everything reports yeah, inspections, yeah. Just... I, I look at some of the stuff we're doing today and think there's every, not a single thing here I didn't use to do myself and yep. usually pretty poorly and it's always nice to find something in the back of the computer where you go oh wow that was a very <laughs> very average proposal or that was a very average website or business card or set of accounts or <laughs> whatever it took me a little while to learn the lesson of, you know, a good team around me. So, you know, finding yep. a good accountant, finding a good lawyer, <laughs> finding a good website designer, all that sort of stuff. And, and then the benefit of, of not trying to do all things myself as a particular time in the business where I didn't probably get off the tools until I had about 15, 20 staff, I guess. And I was still doing a project director, sort of project manager, interface manager type stuff role then. Yep. And had to make a call at one stage. I just felt there was too many balls in the air and I wasn't doing a very good job managing my people and still trying to do full-time work. And I had to make a yeah. call around reducing my billable hours and bringing someone in. But it it really paid off in spades because that was when the business accelerated was when I could actually focus on the business growth and not be still trying to be a project director. And that's not for everybody and that's not always even doable. But, but certainly for me, it was a roll of the dice that I'm really glad I did because it meant that I could... And it was just before COVID. So then when COVID happened, I had the headspace and the capacity to work out, well, what do we do? You know, yep. What's our pivot? What's our angle? You know, how do we keep staff employed? How do we, what do we do to go back to clients? How do we find the time to do that? If I was still trying to juggle a project, that would never have happened. Or would not as well anyway. And so to be able to really, really focus on how do we bring the business together tighter and, and profit from it rather than panic and go the other direction. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she'd unlocked the timing, you know, it was, but it, I'm glad it fell that way. 100%. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm, I'm curious about, like I, like, I always work with my clients on a mixture of strategy and psychology. And I'm curious about your frame of reference or the way that you kind of approached business and problems. Was it sort of more just jump in and I'll just work stuff out and then retrospectively you go, I probably should have done that better and then fix that and that sort of thing. Or did you have a bit of a plan in place for what you wanted the business to look like or would you just kind of just jumped in and it just happened organically? It, st- it certainly started organically. And there's plenty of times in the business growth where it was rather, as I said, opportunistic, I guess, in terms of which way we went with things. I knew what I liked as a core and I knew that the, a lot of this, the, the, strat- the strategy piece was really about risk management we didn't do physical works and we didn't do certain design elements so that those things were never going to be something that brought us down or brought us unstuck. And I saw those as much, and, and from anyone on the call that's doing like anything with professional, professional indemnity insurance will know that the premiums just go through the roof with certain types of activities and that's for a reason. Yep. So those activities we avoided to keep it a bit simpler and to keep it more focused on some core business elements that we thought were more manageable. So that was, that was actually conscious. There's plenty of other things, though, which were more opportunistic that occurred yep. along the way. And so I guess to that end, but psychology-wise, I guess I'd done a lot of reading and learning and seminars and, and head work, I guess, on me before I got to the business. So I wasn't coming in cold with just an engineering mindset so much as I had done a lot of personal growth stuff, a lot of wider reading, just just all the sort of education you don't get at school. Yeah. 
And so, and that was the stuff I found interesting. And so then yep. from there, it's like, oh, it's with it's how you with it how you put something, whether it's how you just consider the other person's point of view for when you're trying to put a proposal together, all the different elements you might take to a, to a piece of work that if you were just a bit single-minded, you would miss a lot of other things. Uh, and all that psychology stuff is the stuff I found super interesting. So yeah. it's been a real mix of those two things. And my, my, my basic logic's always been it's easier to earn more than save. You can only save to a point. Like you can't save anymore. You've got 100 bucks. You only save a certain amount of 100 bucks, but you can always make a 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000. So yeah. what do we do on the upside? How do we export so that's expansive? It was expansive rather than contractive, I guess, is the main thing. And so for me, that's always been, you say yes, you work it out later. And, and the other motto being a fast game is a good game. So we just, you know, let's just get on with it. And it's just, you know, just 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 start. We'll find a way. We'll find a solution. We're engineers. Yeah. We'll find a solution. <laughs> always. Um, yeah, always. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, I like that. And I guess the... The, the the journey there, like you're hiring your first couple of people, did you sort of just get to a point where you're like, oh, I can't do this all on my own? Because I mean, I, I work with with clients in my in my, my coaching programs who single operators, and that's all they ever want to be. They just kind of want to do their own thing, and that's mm. that's that's their space, and yep. you know that's totally fine. Did you just get to a point though where because you get to a point, I imagine, where you're busy and you can either turn away work and just keep doing your own thing and just being a sole trader? Yeah. Like what was the what was the yeah. No, I see your point. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a case of getting overloaded and finding people. It was a conscious decision to go. How can I build a small business? It wasn't a. It wasn't yep. just a. Yeah. So there was there was a desire there to create something. Yeah. Um, and it was only the once I got a sniff of what that might be, then you could see you could create something a bit more and a bit yep. more and a bit more. And so that went through phases, I guess. And for me, that was getting to that phase of sort of twenty twenty five people was about my limit of not falling over under the weight of all those moving parts. Yep. And that was the, the time that I then went to look around, how do I take the business to the next level? And I, I initially thought that might have been through buying a couple of smaller businesses to bolt on, to grow quickly, to then be able to afford the H, you know, the human resources and the finance and the legal and all those support functions that you need to then take it to the next level. Yep. And then in investigating that, I actually priced up my own business and thought, oh, well, rather than buying some small businesses, maybe actually now's not a bad time to sell. So then I was looking around and maybe I'll sell into a bigger business that can provide those same things to allow yep. us to accelerate first. All, all I could see was a big step back before we went forward again. And I was trying to strategize around how do we do that? And so, but I sort of moved from looking to buy to looking to sell and then th through a, a lot of quirks of fate and just processes, came across RSK Group when they were expanding into Australia and I hadn't heard of them, but really pleased that it sort of crossed my path because the, the RSK model is a bit different to selling into a larger consultancy, which most people will be aware of. And then you probably get rebranded after 12 months and that sort of thing. We were, RSK sort of provides a model, which is quite different. It's got a central support function. So the yep. things I was looking for provided by way of the group. And then there's a number of groups and you keep your own identity still. So we're with some product services, an RSK company. And there's other ones in the group now like Progents and AA and EDP. I don't know what these are the engineering firms and our three-letter acronyms, but good to yeah, see Pro Progents it. has their own thing with the rest of us, our three letters. <laughs> and, uh, and so in a similar vein, then you sort of, you then draw upon a recruitment manager. So I can't feed a recruitment manager all year. But I can tap into one now with RSK. Yep. You know, and so I ring 
you know, ring Naraj when I need him to help me with a couple of recruits. And then he goes off and helps the other businesses for a bit. And yep. then when I need financial support, you know, ring Arlette and talk to her around the finance stuff and all that sort of thing that I was buying in from different groups we now have in-house. So you've got a consistency approach. You've got you know, people you've got a relationship with. And you also got a bunch of other MDs like myself that you can bounce stuff from off. You yep. know, have that chat around. What do you how, how are you coping with this? And what's your idea over here? And let's work together on this bid. And you know, have you got a resource? I've got you know a resource spare that's come off. Do you need them? Or, or do you have someone? You know, so that sort of sharing of resources. I think I think it's an industry. We're not bad at that. Like most of us do that pretty well with subcontractor agreements and sister relationships and stuff anyway. Yeah. To take it to the next level and actually have it formalized. It just means that's even easier again. There's no need for a subcontractor relationship. We just it's in-house. You know? So it's really that that again has led to another acceleration. So then over the last 12 months, we've moved from 25 people to 40 or 45 people Unreal. since acquisition. Because of the confidence around hiring, hiring faster, having help with hiring. So, you know, Naraj bringing me a short list of you know 10 candidates instead of me sifting through a hundred. Yep. Just means we can get on and get it done faster yep. than it's been and you know, and just get through it. <laughs> Whereas before, I would have been reading a lot myself at nighttime or on weekends or whatever. Yep. So the economy of scale provided really does. The RSK's growth in Australia will be via acquisition and organic. Yep. So it's yep. acquisition of companies like mine, but then support of them so that we can grow faster. So it's that twofold thing. Yeah. And ideal acquisition size, like I think you and I've talked about this a bit before, similar size to Western Project Services before you were acquired, about the 20, 20 staff size? Yeah, sort of. So there's a couple of key things there. Sort of that sweet spot for, for the over and above would be ideally greater than five mil and ideally greater than one mil EBITDA. Yep. So you've got decent profit margins and uptrending. So. Yep. Uh, owners are like myself that are looking to stay on yep. and be incentivized to stay on and not and not just cash out. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that, but there's a different type of buyer for that sort of business. Yes. You know, so for a retiring owner or someone that's just looking to have a total change, a certain type of buyer that wants to then come in and look at that business and then take it on and make it their own and then run with it, that's cool. In the RSK world, it's more around finding... Uh, founders like myself that have developed something and then need help with the next phase and can see the benefit in the next phase and and really profit from being part of that that growth trajectory for the next you know three to five years and beyond and so that was the sweet spot for us and that's why it just happened to be the right the right deal for me yeah Um, yeah Yeah, awesome mate i'm keen to talk a bit more about the rsk side of things in terms of the support and and the growth but i kind of want to take a step back in the, in the lead up to acquisition or, yeah. or, the, or the sale to RSK, I'm curious about, you mentioned something before about, and I, I know on, and I know on my own journey when we were one business and we merged with, I think in the end, we emerged with eight different engineering consultancies to become, yeah. like it was, we, we, there was always these phases we used to go through where it was like, it was this, things were going really well and they used to plateau. And then they yeah. you, had, you had to get to that sort of that next size before you could then go to the growth. Yeah. And you always had to go through those growing pains. And yeah. I can't remember what it was, but there were certain sort of revenue markers that we kind of knew that we were, were getting close to revenue was coming up and then would just plateau because it meant that we put on systems, IT, that that HR person, that, in, that yeah. full-time account and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about, yeah, your sort of exploration through that phase where you mentioned you were looking at, your growth was to buy businesses to to bring your size up, but then yeah. you quickly kind of worked out 
you, you mentioned you, you might you, you, I think I, I think you got your words right. You'd have to go backwards to then go forwards. Yeah, in terms that's of sort a, of a dip big capital. before you go again. Sort of yeah, because there's like what you said, investing in all those non-billable resources that do support the team and are absolutely necessary, but they're not returning an income directly. So yes, initially they'll just be direct costs coming off profit or coming out of profit and then but doing the right things like a, a good business development manager will return his or her weight in gold by way of what they yep. bring in the door but there's still a cost to engage in them and then exactly. there's a lead time and everything else before they actually bear fruit so that's definitely part of the in terms of the timing of all that it was necessary and i do think that the, the other approach still would have worked it would like to to scale by acquisition would still be appropriate as well you know to, yep. to bolt on like a small design arm or a small transport planning arm or something would have been absolutely but there would have been a lot of work though in integration as well yeah and, and add a lot more risk in in that so it's a yeah, decision there around what's what's the right next step but i think that those growing pains are really everyone goes through them at different phases and different levels yeah and and they're just i don't know i just i guess it's just for me it was a to sort of coming together that I needed this at the right time and it was available. And so, you know, and it's, it's has borne fruit in that respect. Yep. But by the same token, it doesn't mean you couldn't just go out and hire all those people and bring that team together yourself. But you'd be wanting to just have that knowledge that you're going to take a little bit of time for that to, you know, re- re- return a little bit back to a different different profit level and then, and then go again. Yeah, uh, yeah. That system so- stuff, they're all, they're all necessary. Like you don't... You can't not have them. So exactly you know, for the sale as well, you need stuff which is there's value in good systems. There's value in a good management team and a second tier management team. And all those things add, you know, a diverse client list. Uh, all those things add value to the business offering. And so having that sort of being prepared, I think you touched on that, but being prepared for sale, it was putting in place some of those things a bit more structure. So it wasn't a rush process of let's just go to market. It was what what would a seller be sorry what would a buyer be looking for that a seller needs to prepare for yeah and how much of that can i do now and how much of that is the horse has already bolted so i yeah, can't okay. change those things but i can fix these things and let's get that tidy and let's really move down that path and that'll set us up better for the next phase and generally whether you did or didn't sell it's still good for business so all those True. things we're talking about they're going to return anyway so it's not like yep. oh i've got to do all this stuff it's like well you do it because it's, it's just a good thing to do it's, it's going to take you forward faster yeah so, and was that so and that's kind of where i wanted to steer the conversation so thank you for going there around around getting ready for sale and was that like a conscious kind of at, at was it two years out you kind of were thinking about that or is that just literally you're looking well, it would have been better it would have been better so because i was going down the path of buying not selling i wasn't thinking that at all so i was just, yeah, right. I was just like what, what's going to work and then when i realized when we then went down the, the path of thinking oh actually maybe a sale's a better option then i had to actually pause for a bit and then i got some support and some help from a few key people to sort of look at what we had and go, okay, well, if we're going to get in the path of selling, what do we need to put in place? Let's just not yep. go to market. Let's let's tighten up you know, some system stuff. Let's get that mini operating manual together. So we've got some yep. basic stuff done. Let's look harder at that, that management team. Are they going to stay? How are you going to get them to stay? You know, who's the important people? What What's going to make a difference to someone knowing that it's not just you, that it's, it's more than Dion. And if you go, who's, who's the next, who, and what is their role? You know, how much do they do day yep. to day? So that took, I guess, six months, which okay. was a bit, a bit quick. I probably probably should have allowed twelve. Yeah, 
but but we pretty worked pretty hard over those six months to to do as much of that as we could. In a perfect world, if I was building the cell, I'd have a probably different approach about putting some yeah. of those things in place a bit more strategically and a bit more uh, with it not so haphazardly. Uh, yeah. But having made the decision to sell, it was then like, how quickly can I be better than I am at the moment? But but uh, yeah, a bit more time would have been better. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, six months, that's crazy. <laughs> but anyway. I lost a few kilograms that year. It was, it was a full-on full yeah, year. Right. <laughs> a bit stressful. <laughs> And I guess through that through that period, and now that you're on the other side, um, and this is kind of to, you know, anyone watching or listening who's in that space of thinking about becoming sale ready. Like, what are some of the kind of the key metrics, not key metrics, but key things that business owners should do, look to have in place, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I think it was uh, some of the key things. I guess have just been really like I didn't appreciate the level of due diligence that would be the interrogation that would occur yeah, yeah. into every little nook and cranny of the business where as someone that's a bit you know, fast and loose has probably given myself a disservice. <laughs> but by the same token, I do it's like I'd rather be 80% like and now than 100% yep. and, and a lot later. Yep. So with that comes a, a bit of a bit of looseness. And so when you then you've got you know uh, various accountants and lawyers looking through every last little skerrick, every last contract, <laughs> every last recruitment and, and and contract and everything else you're thinking oh goodness but i think what was nice and amongst all that was the acknowledgement from in this case anyway the buyer's side saying well if you're perfect you wouldn't be a 25 person business you'd already be 200 so yeah. we don't expect perfection at this level we expect a certain amount of skill and ability and you know stuff that you do really well and other stuff you probably never bothered to do and that's just the nature of small to medium enterprises that are growing quickly and they're succeeding there'll be a few things that are a bit rough around the edges. And so what was reassuring for me during the process was that expectation around, yeah, it's okay. We're, fine. we're asking all these questions and we, and we do, and there is gaps, don't get me wrong, but they're solvable gaps yeah. and that's what will help you do. And then you'll be better for it. So it was sort of a reframing, which instead of it being, oh, this is really rubbish. You know, I can't believe you haven't got a better system. I was like, well, yeah. what's the point? We can, this is what will help you with effectively. So that, that took some of the heat out of it. And then do you, we weren't so defensive though, then around responses. So it was like, okay, how do we do this then? So sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to oh, sorry to interrupt. Do you think if you weren't talking to someone like an RSK with that kind of model though, like if you were selling to, oh. to do something different, would yeah. have been a different outcome though? Yeah, absolutely. Could it could, could well have been because it might have been a, uh, any of those things might have been a, a point of leverage to then sort of haggle down the price. Yeah. Or, uh, would sort of yeah, try to re, 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 reset the goalpost. Oh, well, you know, we thought it was this, but if you haven't got those things in place, we're now thinking it's only worth this. Yeah. You know, there, there was none of that, which again was, you, know, you don't do these things often. I mean, most people only do them once, you know, you sell a business, right. sometimes you sell a business, you know. So remember as a buyer's agent, and that was the thing was that in buying houses, you do it all the time, you get good at it. But for the person selling or buying, you don't do it a few times in a lifetime. It's hard yeah, to get right. good at something. So, yeah. so I was... I was a bit of a cat on hot tin roof for most of that year, thinking it's going to fall over, thinking, you know, what have I done? I should have done better over here, second-guessing yourself. So to have a, uh, a mature buyer in a way which was not too competitive and was really just trying to get to the bottom of well, what it be, you just want to make sure that what you're putting forward is fair and reasonable and there's no hollow logs and there's nothing hidden and liability-wise, we're not suddenly walking into an issue. Yeah. And if that's all the case, then it's quite manageable. So... But more broadly, yeah, I think to, to tighten up as much of that as possible and 
spend the time to get your house in order yeah. uh, for the average buyer would be safer because you're not going to then be, you know, put in that conversation where you're going, oh, sorry, I just, you know, yeah, we never did square that away. And yeah, yeah. And then have a, a post negotiation negotiation around something. Which yeah, would be absolutely. quite quite stressful. So that time, yeah, that's a you know, prior preparation thing. You know, the more yeah. that time you can spend up front getting that stuff in order, and then, then the more confidence you've got because you've done it, and you're like, and you know it, and you can talk to it. So yeah, yeah. And so you talked a bit about systems and processes, but what what kind of other things like like good contracts with clients, like long term workload, that sort of stuff, leadership team in place. Yeah. So the the workflow, the workbook. So apart from having good numbers that are trending up and then yep. good margins that are also you know generally steady or you know expanding the client mix was 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 one for sure and, and it continues to be one that we need to look at we are still a bit narrow in our focus and we do consciously need to keep trying to find new clients and new sectors for future proofing yep. the uh, client mix the leadership team and the leadership team as well as the balance in the team, I guess, as well, and the nature of the people and just demonstrating that that it doesn't all rest on the one person. It really yeah. was about really properly showing. And, and for me, that was also, again, just good business. Like it was that next step of, yeah, I haven't probably done enough to properly mentor and train and upskill and I'm still holding on to too many things because that's I've always done it that way. It's mine. And it's like you need to open up more and share more and let them improve upon things quite frankly yeah. the amount of things that once i started doing that where individuals on the team came back with a different solution they're like oh, that's, actually, that's better <laughs> that's cool. so good let's go with your way <laughs> yeah exactly and you're like yeah oh, number one didn't have to do it number two it's better you're like oh how good's that so yeah. that for me was another little aha moment where but a bit of big trust thing as well where you that's passing some of that control over and and look and with that came some some stuff ups and some Things that I sort of looked at and went, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. And it didn't work. And I wish you hadn't. But anyway, let's work through what we do next time. So there's a few false starts along the way as well. It's not all, it's not all you know, roses, but by the same token, it, it did, on balance, the, the positives far outweighed the negatives. Yeah. So, and um, I guess, too, like that sort of, I'm not going to use the word prying into your business, but that kind of that forensic sort of kind of assessment mm. of your business would have been good too to kind of see the gaps and the holes and that sort of thing. And also yeah. even something I've just taken away from our conversation where you sort of talked about the mentoring of the team, like yeah. how did that sort of spark increased conversations with the team and, and kind of the communication and bringing on that leadership team and like how did you kind of navigate that period with the team through the, the transition and all sorts of things? That was, I think the, the the training piece in particular was one that I probably would have put off longer rather than bring forward because of number one, the cost and two, just my desire to control things and not hand them over. Whereas to be sort of nearly forced down the path of, well, how do you share, how do you mentor, how do you bring that upskill, everything else? Yeah. Had to be, I, I realized I had to be more open. And I had to be more giving with information. And I, and I, it was funny to reflect on because I wasn't like, I wasn't like I didn't want to share it. I just didn't see the need. It was just yeah. we just we just we just do what we've done. Where it was it was a conscious effort to then talk a bit more about the context or explain the reason behind the decision or just go into a bit more detail around how things function to upskill and up train and, and train others in the next tier and then and then so on and so on. And, and we're still doing that, you know, and it's but now it's done and, and it's certainly more rewarding to see those things coming through. Yeah. 
Um, and that was a combination, I guess, of cost and time. But again, it's a false economy in both cases. It was far better off. And, and, and even the sharing of information. About a week in after the sale, I had a request for access to Mazero, you know, to get into Mazero books. And I was all near all officious, like someone's <laughs> must have done my books. And my wife said to me, it's not your company, Dion. You need to, you know, you need to, it's the accountant. They need to read your books. Like, just give them access to your books. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you're right. Still, it's not like letting go. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely. It was only. It was so quick. It was like you know, it just started, and it was like, and it just pushed all the buttons around. But it's mine. And it's like, and then I was like, make you why? Why do I care? They hold. They open the books. Then you then you got someone else to talk to about it, and they can yep. see extra things, and they're helping you interrogate stuff and find gaps and improve. Why do you pay for this? You could do it over here and and help with efficiency gains and and the same with the team. You know, it was. I'd, I'd never shared revenue targets and results and stuff. We just ticked along and everyone just did their jobs because they are engineers and they just like doing their job. But yeah, but sharing the business strategy and sharing the numbers and the profit margins and what makes it tick and those that don't care, we'll just let it wash over them. Yeah, those that those that are interested though, we're like, oh, that's really cool. And that's yep. you know, I'm surprised you're sharing it, but that's great because now I know what I can do over here. And what about this for an idea? And should we look at this instead? And do we need to look into state to Queensland to Victoria? Or what about the flood damage? And all these sort of ideas start coming out because people enough people take ownership then of more of the business and more of the outcomes. And it's just a more collaborative approach. And there's a lot of trust things there that have to, you know, get past. And then yeah. but of course the, but it was nice to see the return so quickly in terms of how that trust was honored and then returned so that was yeah. nice yeah. oh mate and you've hit on one of the single biggest things that a lot of my clients struggle with with which is trust and and that delegation piece because it's your baby you've built it from scratch it was just you doing everything and then you've built mm. it to to what it is now and that the whole way through that process is it was kind of two things it's it's leaning more on the <clears throat> excuse me the eq piece which is the emotional intelligence to kind yep. of you're doing less technical stuff, more people management. And it's, yeah. you know, as you know, now it's completely a people game. But it is, it's kind of that sort of self inner reflection to go, I'm holding on to this and and why? And is it a good use of my time to hold on yeah. to this? And the more that the more that people hold on and they don't delegate or they don't ask for help, the more, you know, that just stifles growth. And it, yeah. it just every because I think one of the biggest sabotages for business owners is wanting to be the center of attention or, or, or the, the, what do you call it? The ego piece. It's just really wanting to hold on and have everything still come through you. Cause that's how you can maintain a sense of control. And so I think it sounds like you went through like a really big phase there of having to let go of control and you were constantly reminded and rewarded for that whole letting go, letting go of control thing. The one that we've used a fair bit in the business since then, after all those lessons, was the concept of highest and best use yeah. for individuals. And, and so what's my highest and best use? What am I spending my time doing? Yes, I can sit there and do a website, but should I be? You know, yes, I can do the you know the bookkeeping, but should I? And but yes. all the way through the business. So and and I often talk to some of my, some of the staff, I'll say, look, when you sit down to do a task and you sort of go, <sighs> Well, you make a noise like, you know, like <laughs> that. That's probably means you probably shouldn't be doing it. Like, there's probably someone else better placed than you that can do it, and they probably enjoy it more than you, and they probably yeah. do a better job than you because it's pitched at the right level, and it might be a nice little extension for them and a growth opportunity for them. Whereas you're going, oh, I want to do this thing again. I've done it ten times. Yeah. So you know, and then what else can you? What I can be doing? What's what's the best thing that I should be doing? And what's the best thing is that oh, that cascades all the way down, and um, the more of that that we do amongst the team the more empowered the team becomes. 
and the quicker they progress in their skills and the happier they generally get because they're not doing so much busy work that they don't kind of like and yeah it's, it's better better matched so yeah absolutely um, mate Matt, I wanted to just quickly touch on before we wrap up, just kind of the, like the client relationship piece and how you kind of navigated that over the years. Like, has that yeah. always been front and center for you? Have you found that clients, once you've developed a relationship, they keep coming back? And what has sort of been your, your I guess, go-to strategies for deepening client relationships and and uh, and retaining clients? Uh, that's a really good point, Josh, because I think it's we, we actually have an incentive scheme in the senior part of the business written around four key areas, and one of which is the client yep. client relations because it is one of the four sort of pillars of it. So much comes out of picking up the phone particularly and talking to the client and not in a salesy way of I've got a spare person, what do, what do you need? Just yep. the, check-in, the check-in on the work that's being done, the general discussion about the industry, the chatting around how everything's going, which may or may not lead to an opportunity, but something will come out of that conversation. It'll yeah. either be an early indication that something's not right or an early indication that someone's doing a very good job that you weren't yeah. aware of, that they do have a need for something and maybe you can help them or, or the things are about to change and you get an early advance warning. So yeah. just just having the and making the... And we all have time. We can... You, driving time, you know, early, late, whatever. There's always time to do just a, a quick... It doesn't have to be a long call. But the consistency piece of just doing that on a regular basis, that was another one of those trust things of me trying to then transition that to the senior leadership team yep. as I moved on was getting them used to dealing with somebody else rather than me. But once again, normally, it doesn't mean you don't do it as an owner. It's still, there's a time and a place still for me to get on the phone and say hello. Absolutely. But mostly, though, as they move to another person, there'll be that there'll be different people resonate with different clients and that sort of thing. And part of what we do is really trying to get that best fit for a right person in right roles with the right clients. And we shuffle all that around. So there's the best fit there. And someone's not quite gelling. We'll try someone else because it's, it's such an important part. And it's, I remember saying years and years ago when I was in, in, a, in government that you know, someone was saying, Oh, you know, damn consultancy, ABC, I was like, well, it's not consultancy ABC. It's just that individual you had an issue with, you know, and, and mm. in the same way that you can't say that consultancy is fantastic because of that individual either. Like it's, that's the person piece. And yes. that person could be working in company Z next week. So does that make company Z better or worse? Like it's still, you know, so you, you tend to follow people and it's it's the relationship stuff you do with the people that works. Yep. And so my people, when they then, you know, it's amazing what they say, oh, and it still surprises them though. They'll, they'll get oh, I spoke to the client and you wouldn't believe what they told me. And I'm like, yeah, because it, <laughs> it's really insightful. And it's like, oh, and that makes such because now I'll do this instead. And like, yeah, you're just guessing otherwise, you know. But as soon as you have yeah. that conversation, it's amazing what little tidbits you get. And nothing too untoward sometimes, but just enough to make a difference with a which way do I go on something? Where do we put a resource? You know, what skill might they need? Are we thinking yeah. about doing something and they'd love that? They think it's a fantastic idea. You get the confidence to really lean into it. Or, or conversely, they look at you with two heads, like you've got two heads going, well, what are you doing that for? And you're like, oh, maybe I've missed something here. So <laughs> the client liaison stuff is, it yeah. Just, yeah, can't speak highly enough of the importance of doing it regularly. Yeah, and I talk to my clients a lot about this concept of just call your clients for no other reason than to check in, you know, if we're, because mm. most of the times our clients are conditioned to see that, you know, our phone, our name come up on their phone, like, oh, what problem do I have to solve now? Or what, mm. what do I have to answer? Mm. But if you can condition your clients to actually look forward to your calls and look forward to your check-ins, mm. that's when they open up more. And you're right, that's where they mm. share information about 
a new potential project that's coming up or or if you've got some capacity, you know, can you have a look at this thing for us? Like if you can just, again, condition your clients to look forward to your calls and you call them for no other reason than to check in and just see Mm. how their day is going. How was your weekend? Did you go abseiling? Did you go surfing? Mm. How was it? Mm. You know, that just deepens those relationships so much further. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So mate, what's, uh, what's next in terms of the, the, the growth plans? Oh, look, I'm really excited about what's happening for us next. I mean, we're, we're really still working on that strategy piece for both WPS and RSK in Australia. I'm really proud to have taken an extra role with RSK. I'm now the divisional director of the advisory and project delivery group as well. So Congrats. In, our, in our space, and it's really a nice way of, of bringing our project development teams together and making sure that we get the best value out of the group. And so for me, that's I'm really enjoying the next phase of opportunity to help be part of growing that business in Australia. And it's on a pretty, yep. it's in a, RSK is on a pretty decent trajectory and a really exciting time to be at the front end of something. Yeah, good. Uh, that's really, really cool. And then that also then provides spill spill uh, spill over opportunity for all of people in WPS because there's that thing of you know getting pulled up and expanding and whatever else so we've got lots of good new people coming in at principal levels and director levels and uh, lots of opportunities to still look at the small bolt-ons like I talked about to add our value offering yep uh, and be part of what's happening next and so it's a uh, you know, it's a really, really exciting time with a good runway in front of us for what's happening next in Australia. So it's, um, good, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty cool time to be in the industry. Guys, a limit, hey? No, it is. It's, and it's just, you know, there's, there's so many good people and there's so many good relationships with other businesses as well. I think there's, particularly at the moment, there's so much work to go around as well. There's generally a lot more collaboration around just how do we get it done? Because it's not, it's not like you're scrambling for work. There's heaps of work. So it's mm. more about well, how do, where's the resources and how do we how do we how do we help get stuff done? And yep. the conversations you have with other similar people in, in sister businesses and other you know, competing businesses, and but it's there's a lot to go around. So it's it's sort of nice to be uh, having those conversations and just just you know share share in the industry at the moment of what's happening next. And yep. yeah, it's all it's all good. So. Yeah, good mate. Final question. I haven't prepared you for this, but that's okay. You are obviously the sum total of all your experiences, wins, learnings, failures, all that sort of stuff over the, the course of your career to date. Say you get the opportunity to have a beer or a coffee with a 10-year younger version of yourself. What, what advice would you impart on that younger version of you? Care less about what other people think. That like took it? me quite a while to get to that point. I, I was very mindful of not looking silly or not being the one that asked a silly question or not going out in a limb. And then at some point in my life, I just went, you know what? It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't yes. matter. And, you know, just, just backing myself more to go, look, I'm not perfect, but I, things I do, I do okay. Yeah. And, and just, you know, and, and then the whole, just get on with it. Just, just, I really just got to a point of thinking, just, just try, you know, cause what's, what's the worst that can happen. So that, that idea of what's the worst that can happen, it probably was around that mark, actually. I sort of went, right, well, you know, at, at, I'm just just turned 50. So when I was, you know, around 40, I was like, well, got to a point and went, okay, well, not here forever. So which yep. thing do we want to do? And what do we want to, you know, spend our time doing? And my daughter hated it, but I had a death clock on my phone, on my computer, which was a countdown type thing. And it was ticking down. So the idea was, about, I said, it about 75 and, and it was counting yeah. down. She's like, what's this? She said, it's like, I said, oh, it's counting down. To die, you know. She said, but you're not going to die. And I said, no, it's not about that. It's about the fact that I want to look at that and go, am I, how am I spending this minute? How am I spending this day? 
Now, if I'm stuck in a meeting that is just brain-numbingly dead and I have a choice about doing something else, I'm going to cut that short because I can see that ticking away. And for me, that yeah. was a really stark reminder of the thing I can't control, which was time. Yep. And go, is this how I'm going to spend this hour? No, that's that's not worth it. I'm sorry. You know, it's that started. And then again, with the growth of the business, it was like, I don't want to work for that client. I don't want to work with that person. I can choose who I work with. I can choose what work I do. That was a really empowering thing to have that level of choice and be working on stuff. And, you know, so now with RSK as well and our business growing, for us, it's the renewable sector. It's us doing more meaningful stuff. How do we take our project management skills and put them into right. things which we actually care about and add value in? And so, you know, looking for more meaning in what we do, still using our core skills, but just applying them in different ways. And the, the uptake in interest in the business around that is amazing. Everyone's, and it's not just because it's flavor yep. of the month. People on, you know, genuinely care. And they want to make a difference. And engineers are generally a pretty noble bunch. And you know, when you put that out there and they've got a choice, they're like, oh, we'll do that every day of the week. We'll help with that. You know, and it's really reassuring when there's a whole bunch of other rubbish going on in the place. So that's, that's there's some good stuff happening as well. And yeah, so just backing yourself, getting on with that sort of thing. And yeah, it's been good. It's been, it's, it's, it's lots, of, lots of positives there. So. Oh, mate, so good. You seem very energized. So, you know, excited to see what you create next. Oh, thanks, Josh. And I appreciate yeah. catching up. It's been really good. Easy, mate. Where can people follow along the journey? LinkedIn or? In terms of areas of improvement, this is one of them for me, mate. My LinkedIn <laughs> stuff is awful. My, my okay. business LinkedIn stuff is equally awful. I've got a few, I even got a corrective action request come through today from someone in the business saying, you need to get back in. This is something you need to do better. I'm like, yeah, I get it. So, good. so yeah, Western Product Service. We have a LinkedIn page. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And of course the website, but look, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do a bit more active posting and a bit more selling some of the good stuff that we do. Well, that was basically what one of the staff members wanted to say is, that, you know, we've got 40, 45 people. We've all got lessons. We've all done interesting stuff. You know, let's just put the odd thing forward every so often and see who's interested in what we do. And, and there's yep. some really positive stuff here. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's cool. We should. So, yeah. So awesome. we'll get better at that. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thanks, Dion, mate. Love that catch up today. Yeah, like I said, excited to see what, what's next for, for you and the business. No, I appreciate your time, Josh. That's tremendous. Thanks, mate. Easy. Thanks, mate. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Don't forget, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources. Or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.